0: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, alcoholics of all ages, welcome to the 10th episode of If These Walls Could Talk. I'm your host and resident alcoholic, Dougie Fresh. Go grab a snack, juice, pop, or as I like to call it, the water, champagne of waters, Perrier. We'll get this show on the road shortly. Sit back, hang tight. Yes, Thank you. That was Heads Up by Fitz. Um, Just to let everybody know, I will be playing a song that I found inspirational along my road to recovery each and every week, but to be totally honest with you tonight, that song was chosen by our guest, but we'll get to him in a moment. I would like to remind everyone listening tonight that wherever you are in the world, I do not speak for Alcoholics Anonymous, and neither do any of my guests. We're simply sharing our experience, strength, and hope with each other in the hope that it reaches the still-suffering, practicing alcoholic. But if you need to talk to somebody and it's urgent, please don't hesitate to contact AA wherever you are. You can visit them at aa.org. I hope everybody is having a fantastic day so far. I know I am. Let's get the show started. Time for a word debate. Intentions versus actions. Simply said, intentions are our thoughts, while actions are what we do. Sure, we can urge or argue, sorry, that the actions are sometimes an extension of our intentions, basically, what we're thinking or feeling. But at the end of the day, is it our actions that others will define us by? Will our actions leave us lasting impressions on others? Think about it like this. People don't go to jail just for their intentions. People don't get fired for their intentions. People don't change the world by their intentions. There has to be effort. There has to be hard work. There has to be action. But what type of action? You may wonder why I'm being a word philosopher tonight, why I'm having this debate. Well, it's because of a quote I heard recently. My intentions are not my life. My actions are my life. As I like, the thing I like about this quote, I must admit, there's a lot of things I intend to do. Really, if I'm being honest, there's a lot of things I still intend to do today. (laughs) For instance, I have a daily thought about hanging the picture that sits on the floor in my spare bedroom. It's been there for quite some time. (laughs) I intend to hang it. I also never intend to go through the house with my boots or shoes on. But somehow I always do. Now let's switch and think about the AA side of this debate. I never intended to be an alcoholic, but my actions led me to be. I never intended to say hurtful things to my wife, but my actions led me to be. To dive a little deeper into this conversation, I've invited a very, very special guest tonight. All the way from Miami, Jose jose and i met earlier this year at the when the pandemic first hit i attended his weekly zoom meeting since then jose jose and i have become really good friends and when this pandemic is over i'm hoping to visit jose in sunny miami and visit the donut shop we've been talking about where the weather is definitely warmer there jose how's it going buddy
1: it's going very well Doug. thank you for that intro I'm doing well
0: how are you <laughs> I, I'm good I'm I'm uh, it's warming up a little bit here in Canada so um, I'm happy about that um, <laughs> so why don't you uh, um, let our listeners know a little bit more about yourself like, why don't you tell us a little bit something sure
1: so my name is Jose and my sobriety date is uh September 1st of 2019 and uh, that is my most recent sobriety date but I'll get back to that in a little bit um so right here I'll just do a brief qualification of you know how I got to this point I um you know I started um drinking and using at a very young age at the age of 14 and you know at the time if you would have asked me why I was doing so I would have just told you that I just wanted to have fun and hang out with my friends and do the things that people did you know I didn't really grow up around people that were overachievers you know I don't call ever having a family member that had a, you know, a graduate degree or a college degree or anything like that, Um, you know, and my, my, the examples that I followed or the people that I followed really just wanted to have a good time and party and do all that. And that's, you know, that was my goal. And that's basically what I did. And so in that, um, you know, my, my using was um, obsessive from the very beginning. And I don't remember exactly when I first had my first drink or my first drug or anything like that. I do recall that it was at the age of 14. And I remember um, whatever I chose to use, I used obsessively, you know, and I just did whatever I wanted to do that that uh, made me feel good at the time. And, and that led me to... Um, to make a lot of poor choices in my life while i was a teenager you know at the age of uh 17 18 i dropped out of high school because it was getting in the way and you know my senior year you know very poor choice and just got a GED, and i continue to work uh Really, dead end jobs that would just sustain my using um, all throughout the better part of my twenties, and so my life really revolved around going out and nightclubs and things like that. And there was no, you know, there was no real ambition. There was nothing other than, you know, just using and having a good time. And while um, at the age of uh, twenty seven, uh, it all caught up with me, and I began to see that I was having problems with it, and I just couldn't let it go. And so I reached out to my family. And um, I said, hey, you know, I think I got a problem. Um, They were like, you know, hey, uh, um, we'll pay for you to do a treatment. And and they paid for me to do a 30-day outpatient treatment at a hospital. And that's how I was introduced to uh, AA. And at the time, I did not feel that I was an alcoholic. You know, I just wanted to stop using certain substances. And I remember asking the therapist at that program, you know, why are you sending me to these meetings? I don't I'm not an alcoholic, I don't need to be there. And he said to me very clearly, he looked me in my eye and he said, You know, this will not keep you sober And it was an eye opener for me in the sense that um, I, you know, I thought I was just going to go into this place and they were going to fix me and I was going to do this thirty day assignment and I would be done. You know, I had no idea what alcoholism was or what the disease was. You know, I thought it was substance specific. You know, I had all of these kind of thoughts and ideas around it. I had no clue. And so, um, and so I started uh, attending meetings because that's what I had to do because that was what the assignment was. And I abstained for about seven months, but I. Never really had the intention of staying sober in the broader sense you know i just wanted to give up certain substances i had no intention of letting go of the drinking and so i ended up uh starting to drink again and so what ended up happening was that i drank for about um three years um uh, more or less uh, uh, three or four years and um and the drinking escalated and the other substances i no longer used but i did continue the drinking. And, and I remember at the age of 31 thinking to myself, "Mm, maybe you are an alcoholic, you know, maybe you do. And so there was a vacation that I went on that I, I basically, um, ended up ruining for everybody involved that came with me right and, um, <laughs> and when I came home from that trip that I can't even give you the details because I don't remember <laughs> um, I decided hey I'm gonna go to those AA meetings and uh, pick up what they call a white ship which is basically just setting an intention to not drink for a day you know that you would you you would start and you know um, and try and so, and that's what I did. And what ended up happening was that I ended up, you know, over the course of time, I ended up putting some time together day after day, and you know, and that was just through the grace of God that he just put me, you know, in contact with all these wonderful people that helped me along the way. And so I was very distrusting at the beginning. I didn't believe the people when they said they were happy, you know, when they were saying, oh, you know, all of this. And I was thinking to myself, oh, it's been three weeks. I haven't had a drink. How could you be happy if you haven't had a drink in 10 years? You know, how is that possible? I'm not happy. You know it just didn't seem real to me but they just said keep coming back and they would give me hugs and do all of that and so and that's what I did I eventually I got a sponsor a very wonderful sponsor who uh you know who showed me how he stayed sober and basically showed me how to be an adult because up until that point you know I couldn't really pay my bills right I always needed help I always needed somebody to maintain the home for me you know I it, there was just nothing that I was doing on my own although I was employed you know it was going nowhere and that's what it was so over the time you know I started working the steps you know I started started following the suggestions, I started putting action behind the intention. And what ended up happening was that life got better. I was able to, um, after some time, I started, the years started building up and I decided to go back to school. I got my degree within a four-year period, starting from nothing. And, um, you know, and that was all because of the, the benefits of the program and the discipline that it showed me. You know, I learned how to eat better because before I would eat fast food all the time, all of a sudden now i you know, I began to eat healthier. I began to exercise regularly, you know, all around things were getting better and things, you know, finally i of saying, Oh, I want to do this, you know, or I wish that it was this way because my, my whole thought was that people were able to get the things that they got because they were lucky. And somehow I was not lucky. You know, I didn't look at the work that they put behind the things that they attained. (laughs) And so, um, Fast forward uh, at uh, six and a half years sober, I, life got better, and, and I detached from the program. And I um, and I started uh, five five years. I'm sorry. Let me backtrack a little bit. Five years into sobriety, I started to become overwhelmed with the scheduling that I had, you know, working uh, and going to school full time. And all of a sudden, so I was coming to the end of that, after a few years, it was catching up to me and I began to detach from the program. I began to uh, contact my sponsor less. I began to less go to less meetings until I didn't go to anymore. And in the fifth year, I started entertaining the thought that, hmm, maybe I'm not an alcoholic. You know, maybe I was just immature. Look at all these things that, you know, these external things that fell into place now that I've been, I... You know, in quotations, have been doing all this work, and so um, at the beginning it was easy to push those thoughts aside. But um, as uh, you know, as the year progressed, I started entertaining it more and more. And as my life became busier and busier, it became um, it became uh, more of a persistent thought. And so. Um, my sixth year of sobriety, I ended up going out to with my husband to a restaurant. And uh, the waiter came over to me and asked me if I wanted to drink. And I was like, yes, and that was it. I had to drink. And for a year and a half, I didn't really suffer any consequences, right? It wasn't like I devolved back into this immature person that wasn't eating well and, and wasn't taking care of themselves or lost their job. You know, none of that happened. You know, I still maintained all of these kind of things. But then other life experience, other life began to happen in ways that I was not uh, emotionally equipped or spiritually fit to handle. And I began to drink more and more and more. And so the drinking went from, from what you would call social drinking to everyday drinking to, or drinking around the clock. And so fast forward to the summer of 2019 coming off of a a two week bender. Uh, I, um, I basically was on the verge of death and my spouse had come home from a business trip to find me almost dead and, and took me to the hospital. And, um, and that was where i felt a feeling of just letting go you know during that time while i was in the grips of the alcoholism and the strong use i remember up until a year before that happened i knew that i i I needed to go back to aa i knew in my heart of hearts that i was an alcoholic but i could not let the drinking go and um, the alcohol had just become such a medicine to me that I just couldn't think of of letting it go and so the experience that I had this time around with the drinking was completely different than the experience that I had before because before it was like oh I might be an alcoholic and I was drinking and sometimes I was having these these consequences where now it was like I knew for sure that I was an alcoholic I could not let it go and I also knew that I could probably fall into a coma if if, um, if I stopped drinking on my own but I just couldn't let it go and so when I went into the hospital um, when they admitted me into the hospital they did so that they so they could watch me um you know basically come down from the alcohol right and so to make sure that I didn't fall into a coma and I remember just feeling this overwhelming sense of relief like oh, I'm finally safe and I just felt like you know it was a, it was a surrender that I didn't articulate but I could feel it internally and um and I just knew it was okay I would be okay and so the next morning once my blood alcohol level got to a certain point the doctor said to me hey um you know uh, i think we don't have a detox here but i think you need to go into a rehab you really do there is still a chance that you might fall into a coma if we send you home and um so uh basically i told her no i know exactly where i need to go um, if, if it's safe for me to go home with uh, my husband's supervision then that's what I would like to do. And so that's what she did. She prescribed some non narcotic medication to help with the uh, withdrawal. And um, um, with the caveat that my, my husband will watch over me and administer the medication as needed. And so for two days I went home and I basically just stayed in bed until I found the courage to go back to an AA meeting. And I did so, And but the intention that I said that day was that I was gonna go to the meeting and I was gonna pick up a white chip and I was gonna come home with a sponsor and so that's what i did i found a room that had meetings that went on throughout the day i went to a meeting and it was a meditation meeting it was perfect for what i needed at that time you know it was dark so nobody could see me and i was shaking and you know i mm. looked like crap. And I felt like crap, uh, but I picked up the white chip at the end um, and stayed for another meeting. Somebody shared who I could relate to. I asked him if he would temporarily sponsor me, and, and he so graciously said that he would, and he helped me, and there began my, my journey into sobriety again. And so, um, you know, it was just... Uh, It wasn't a very easy thing to do in the first three months. You know, my drinking had escalated to a point that I did a lot of damage to myself physically. Uh, But, you know, I still maintained my my exercise regimen and eating healthy and doing all of that. I I attended a regular um, meeting schedule. You know, I I try to be as active as I can and as honest as I can about where I was at throughout the process. And by the grace of God, now it's been 18 months since that has happened that one day at a time I've been able to... uh, uh, maintain the so- uh, sobriety and so um so yeah i'll just leave it at that that's my story
0: that, that that's awesome uh jose you know that's a really good story I, i've heard you speak before but um you know i i could relate to a lot of of what you what you shared and uh you know i always um i always appreciate your shares and uh you know thank you for uh, for sharing that with us today and and uh, i'm sure the listeners will really appreciate that um so in in a in a in a meeting uh, we were in, uh, I heard you say, "My intentions are not my life; my actions are my life." Um, can you explain to the listeners what you meant by that quote?
1: So what I mean by that quote, and that quote is not original to me; it's not something that I came up with. It's something that I heard at another AABD, and um, and it just it jumped out at me because I can get caught up in these and these thoughts, right. And these ideas that I have that I want to change all of these things to fix my life, you know, but, um, but I can fall short in not putting in the work that's necessary to do it. Right. So if I just say the intention, I just want to do this, then it's just basically a wish if I don't put any action behind it. And so I use the example of when I was in the program back in 2009, when I first started, right. I, you know, I throughout my 20s before I had, uh, I always wanted to go to school, right? Because getting a degree was going to fix my life, but I would register for the classes and then immediately drop out. Mm-hmm. They would give me an assignment and I wouldn't follow through. <laughs> and so how are you going to complete the degree <laughs> if you can't get through two weeks or a month of a class because you're not willing to put in the effort, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, and so I've overcome that part, right? Or I would see these guys, they would have these amazing bodies and, and I would say, oh, you you know, I, I want that, but I wasn't willing to go to the gym. You know, I wasn't willing to put a, a daily exercise routine together. You know, I wasn't willing to give up McDonald's and Burger King and all the other stuff. And so, <laughs> it was just a wish. Um, fast forward to now, the things that I struggle with now, because I don't struggle with those things now, right? If I if I say that I want to do something, for the most part, you know, I I, I do do it. You know, if I if I start it, I see it to completion, even if I'm in fear that I may fail. But there are other things where I fall short, you know. In this time around, um, in these eighteen months, what I've really been trying to do is try to expand the level of service that I do uh, for the for the group that I participate in, and and you know, and just for the um, the program as a whole. And so, you know, so now what I do is I when I'm asked to share at meetings, I I, I try to say yes unless there's some reason that I. I uh, for whatever reason i can't do it but it's very rare i usually always agree and um and whenever i hear that they come up with i i'm even if i don't want to do it i i try to volunteer for the things that i can do and so i expand on that but another thing is um you know when i was um caught up in the grips of the alcoholism before i came in right um the uh, there weren't really a lot of people around me that could see what was happening, right? Except for my husband, because he was the one that was there with me all the time. You know, I was able to isolate from people. And so people knew that I withdrew, but they just didn't understand what was going on. But he did. And so he was basically watching me die that whole time and um, and felt that he couldn't share it with anyone because I was so proud and I didn't want anybody to know. And so, you know, I I didn't intend to hurt him, but I did, you know, mm. And so I have to be mindful of the things that I do, because even when I think, oh, well, I'm not hurting somebody physically or whatever. Well, yeah, I may not be in that sense, but I am on a on a spiritual level, on an emotional level, right? Because you could, he has to watch this person that he loves uh, suffer in a way that and be concerned about this person dying on them and not being able to share it with anyone or feeling that he wouldn't be able to because he would be betraying me. Mm. you know, and that's something that I needed to make an amends for, you know, and it wasn't something that I could appreciate at the time while I was in the alcoholism, but I very much appreciate now, you know, Mm. and, um, and there are other things too, you know, I can still very quickly fall into this place where i you know, my intention and what I would like to do is, you know, to treat people with loving kindness, no matter how I perceive them treating me. And in that situation, I can fall short many times, you know, Someone can do that, and I can even get defensive or or be disrespectful in the way that I communicate. And so, if I don't catch myself in those moments, you know, and not then and stop myself or, or and put the action behind changing the way that I respond, then you know, then that intention means nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. No. So
1: there's my example for that.
0: No, that uh, that that was very well well put. You know, I um that, that, uh, that summed up basically what, uh, what I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, so thanks for, uh, for sharing that Jose. Um, I want to thank you for being a guest on, on, um, you know, if these walls could talk today, um, you know, and I, I look forward to, um, you know, expanding our, our friendship and, you know, uh, I, I really appreciate you and I appreciate everything you're doing. And, um, you know, your intention um i asked you to be on the show today and uh you know your intention you know was to come on the show today and your action you did it um so uh so 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 thanks for uh thanks for being a guest today and uh you know I, i look forward to uh to spending more time uh on zoom with you and uh hopefully um in person in the future
1: thank you doug thank you for asking me to do this thank you for your friendship you know you've been a blessing um in my life and i very much appreciate our friendship and um and you're welcome
0: you it's, it's been a pleasure you too brother all right you have a great day in my in sunny miami and be thinking of me buddy i <laughs> will do all right. take care all right bye 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 wow that was uh that was a really good talk i really enjoyed that and um i hope you guys did too <clears throat> um you know so uh thanks again to jose for coming on the show today Um, and sharing his experience, strength, and hope with you guys. Um, you know, so to go back to my original question, will our actions have a lasting impression on others? Simple answer, yes. Our intentions can be wiped clean. We can drive those misguided thoughts from our brains. It is what we do now, the actions we take to make things better, more manageable, that count. I won't say it's the actions We take to make things right, because what is right? Right, obviously, wasn't working. But better. That's attainable. The better comes from our actions. Helping the next suffering alcoholic. Leading a Zoom meeting like Jose does, or I do. Writing a blog. Hosting a podcast like we're doing right now. Spending time with our loved ones. Being present. Being honest being kind, being there. I'm going to say that again, being there. At the end of the day, we can think all we want. We can have every good or bad intention. We can feel every way imaginable. But it will always be the actions that come from our intentions and emotions and our thoughts that will remember us by. So again, this is... These walls, If these walls could talk I'm your host Dougie Fresh I want to thank everybody again For coming today Peace and love from the great white north Have a great day And keep those smiles on your faces guys I mix the pleasure with the pain I make it rain
2: tonight No one said it would be easy Even if you don't believe me Even on my darkest day I'm running circles, trying to find another finish line. Plug in that power system, light up that optimism, even on my darkest day.